0: Welcome to the Hey Salespeople podcast, where we focus on delivering immediately actionable best practices for sales professionals. I'm your host, Jeremy Donovan from SalesLoft. Hey, salespeople. Today, it is my great pleasure to have Meg Gallagher on the show. Welcome, Meg.
1: Thanks for having me, Jeremy. It's nice to meet everybody today.
0: Meg is a senior account executive at WalkMe, whose digital adoption platform helps users by adding a visible layer on top of websites and enterprise software. As usual, we will not be talking about uh, WalkMe or Salesloft. Uh, what we're going to talk about today, as you can garner from her title, is we're going to talk about what it takes to be an outstanding account executive. And the reason I invited Meg was because I've been asking leaders inside of companies who their top AEs are. And I got Meg's name in return. So we're, we're delighted to have her. I'm going to start Meg with asking you what I've been asking a lot of folks lately, which is about an interesting or unusual hobby of which glancing at your LinkedIn profile, you appear to have a number. So I'm excited to hear which one you're going to choose.
1: Yeah, well, you know, I'd say for anyone who can't see my background right now, because we're in a podcast, that the easy one would be to go with the fact that I used to be a cocktail bartender, and I am very passionate about that. But probably something that's more interesting for everybody is the fact that I am a a sponsored rock climber.
0: Sponsored, meaning you actually have somebody who's giving you gear and...
1: Yes. Yes, I have a couple sponsors, one being uh, Butora, which is my shoe sponsor. And uh, this is a hobby that I got into back in 2014. And it really lit a fire within me to spend a lot more time outdoors and brought me to the point of working remotely for Walk Me here in South Lake Tahoe prior to COVID being a thing and everybody working remotely. I had the uh, joy of being able to live out my dream of, of working during the day and then being a rock climber by evening and weekends.
0: What style of rock climbing do you do?
1: There's three kind of branches you can go down when it comes to rock climbing. There's what is called bouldering or called pebble wrestling, if you would. And that's what I do. I don't use gear or harnesses or anything like that. And I scale boulders as tall as 30 feet and as short as four feet, depending on the technicality of the movement. And I have crash pads and and gear for that. And then there's also lead climbing or sport climbing. That's where you have draws that you latch to the wall outside. There's already... Um, something for you to hook into and so those are bolted routes and then there are the people who are really really brave and they do trad climbing so they bring cams and gear with them up the wall and shove them into cracks and hope that if they take a whip that that gear holds And so i do the the least dangerous of all of those disciplines i'd say the the least dangerous in the sense that you're not going to die bouldering but you might break an ankle or two
0: so i have this i'm told weird thing but i would like to know if it really is weird which is when i go to a cocktail bar i always say to the waiter or waitress, just surprise me. And then they ask me, what do you like? And I'm like, anything, just surprise me. Is that an unusual thing to to not have a preference in really anything about the cocktail?
1: I would say yes, people tend to be very uh, definitive in what they do or don't like when it comes to alcohol. So some people might be gin drinkers, but they hate vodka or tequila, or they might really love whiskey, but hate gin because of that really kind of botanical sort of flavoring to it. So that's actually surprising to, to come across somebody who's not very picky in the in the liquor selection.
0: I think I just like it all. That's part of the, I don't it's probably a problem. <laughs>
1: nothing nothing <laughs> just, wrong with that. I also like it all. I even love scotches and, and mezcals, which are very smoky, which can turn a lot of people off. So yeah, I'm open to anything too.
0: So well, let's talk about top AEs. So where I'd love to start actually is for you to reflect on some of the best AEs that you've ever worked with, whether it was at WalkMe or one of your prior employers. And what was it that made them unique? That helped them be successful relative to their peers?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. So, fun story about myself I started my account executive experience here at WalkMe. I am a rare breed where I started in customer success and uh, transitioned over into being a, an account executive. And so, when I started, I started on a brand new team here at WalkMe. You know, we were called Startup Edition and then we changed to WalkMe Growth. We've, we've had different iterations along the way. And so, I was starting with a bunch of new peers who are also just starting in the ranks of being an account executive. So what's interesting is I'm going to mention somebody who's no longer an account executive but in management, but was a huge mentor to me and incredibly helpful as I started this journey in SaaS selling, and that's Matt Bigelow. And something that's incredibly standout about him is his voracious appetite for learning new things and constantly growing and changing, right? He is always recommending a new sales book, talking about a new strategy, and coaching us to be incredibly successful individuals, uh, unique to our personalities so a little bit off the script here you know not a current account executive but somebody who's managed me in my sales career um, no longer unfortunately my manager but just somebody that was incredibly inspirational and really great at cultivating talent within teams and then an account executive that got brought onto the team you know two years into my career here at Walkney Kelly Best, She is a phenomenal storyteller, right? Like a lot about sales is being able to have people actually picture something or imagine something or really feel like we understand what's going on within their organization. And Kelly is incredible at painting those pictures when she gets details and and goes in depth during discovery to really understand why did somebody come to Walk Me? What's going on within their organization that brought them to us? And it's just incredibly impressive. I will listen to her demos on Gong just to hear how she describes something or talks about something to a customer because it's so relatable and down to earth. And then one other who he just recently left Walk Me sadly, to pursue p- potentially a career as a poet who knows what Scotty Lyons will be up to in the future. Um, but he came out of uh, the SDR org and he just had, an appetite for success like no other that I've worked with. You know, it's really awesome to see people who are willing to put it all on the line and day in and day out, you know, put in every little ounce of effort that you could drop the ball on, you know, maybe you won't call somebody back or you won't do your cold calling or whatever it is. You know, Scotty was always that person that was willing to go above and beyond and he kept me fresh, right? Like I was top account executive on the team and he was chasing me even just a few first months into the role and keeping me accountable for pushing myself and always making sure that I am doing the best that I can in every situation on every call and, and serving our customers well.
0: Let's dive into each one of those three individuals. Uh, and we'll start with Matt. So, you said Matt was your manager at the time, and what the hallmark of him was obviously coaching and developing people, but in particular, his own voracious appetite for learning. Did you have an appetite for learning when you met him already? So were you just sort of meshing with him or was he is that something that he inspired in you?
1: I think we were meshing. We're both kids that grew up in New Jersey around the same age and we have I think similar Italian backgrounds. We just meshed as people, but I will say, you know, people who came into our team who maybe had a different style, I think they really deeply appreciated how much went into every meeting beforehand, how much due diligence, how much practice, how much thought and just the masterful execution of everything was, was really amazing to see. I mean, I, I don't think, I'll be honest, I don't think in my sales career I'll, I'll ever have a manager like him again.
0: Were there sets of materials that he directed you toward that you found invaluable as your career has progressed?
1: Definitely. I mean, I've read a lot of sales books, but one in particular, not even necessarily sales related, um, Product-Led Growth by Wes Bush. Because what we do is we make it so that organizations can be product-led in their approach. And we won't go down the path of Walk Me, but just understanding and getting into the psychology of the people who are purchasing is so, so important to understand how does our tool help them solve their problems. And so Product-Led Growth was a great book recommendation, as well as things like Sales EQ or pitch anything. You know, there's hundreds of sales books out there. And I've got a bunch on my bookshelf that I haven't read yet, which is something like eat their lunch and, and stuff like that. So it's uh, one that I'm currently reading is just play bigger. And that was also a recommendation by Matt. And it's about how people create categories, category design, and how you end up with companies like Salesforce companies, you know, that really do define the space. And so that's what I'm currently reading to understand, you know, What are all of our partners trying to achieve? What are we trying to achieve here at WalkMe? So it's not just the angle of sales. It's everything surrounding sales. It's part of that kind of environment and all the things that play into not just how do you get someone to buy a product. That's not what I view myself as. I view myself as a consultant to businesses who are trying to solve a problem. And he made us very proud to go out there every day and do that for our company.
0: It's a bit of a false dichotomy to frame the following question the way I am. But if you had... To choose, you had incremental learning hours, whatever you call it, three or four hours. And you could either learn more about your customer by reading a book like Product Live Growth, or learn more about sales and selling skills by reading Sales EQ, Pitch Anything, and so on. If you could only do one, which one would you choose? Which one do you think is the more effective thing for AEs to know?
1: I honestly, I think it's both. I I can't choose one or the other because the fundamentals are so important and understanding the best ways to help people solve their problems are also incredibly important. So if I had to choose just based on like interest, I'll be totally candid. Sales folks can be a snooze sometimes, right? Like they all kind of have the same message with some different spin or flavor on it, right? We've all talked Sandler method and all these spin selling. There's all these different ways. But at the end of the day, I think at the heart of it, it's really about how do you help people solve their problems, right? That's that's really it. And so if you can do your due diligence to understand in more depth what that problem is or what they're trying to solve for, you know, I think that's what makes all the difference. And so I think they're equally important. But if I had a choice in the matter, I'd always go with understanding more about our customers because it's just more interesting to me.
0: The sales book I'm reading currently is one I had not run across before. It's called Machine or The Machine. It was written back in 2015. It's about specialization In sales. And at first, I was a little concerned that this person's basically going to reinvent the wheel, right? Specialization had already been going on. But what struck me in this book was or is that right now, I think there's a feeling that we may have over specialized, right? We've got SDRs, we've got AEs, we've got CSMs, we've got account managers, we've got renewal specialists, we've got like you name it, everything we've sliced and diced into a million ways. What struck me in this book was. He was advocating even circa 2015 for even more specialization. So, for example, that an AE would exclusively basically be doing calls, sales meetings, like, you know, whatever it is, face to or, face or phone meetings. And, you know, they had a lot of resources behind them to do all the scheduling and administrative work, but also to take over all the interface between, you know, when customers have questions about the product. A super sales engineer, but then some, right? I'm really puzzling this in my own mind. Like, what if you didn't have to do anything but hop on phone calls? Is that, would you be successful in your role if that were the case?
1: I don't think so. And the reason being is that, you know, I've seen organizations that have, people that are highly specialized. And here's the thing, people buy from people who are confident. If I don't really know my product, because I technically don't understand it, or I can't demo it myself, or I can't build with this product myself, how am I supposed to speak confidently about how this is going to help somebody solve their problem? Right. So I think it's critically important that we don't become so specialized that everybody has one minute function and that those things are all The things that we do because i think that it is a symbiotic relationship between understanding the product understanding how it solves the problem talking about how you're going to actually deploy it and while i think i I work with an incredible sales engineer mike Cangliosi, he's fabulous and he does an amazing job in every technical aspect of our product that gets a little bit too beyond my pay grade, right? You know, things that are are very complex, but at the end of the day, you know, Mike doesn't come to my demos. Mike doesn't demo the product for me. I demo walk me because I feel very confident that if I'm selling a tool and telling people anybody can use this, well, by golly is, you know, an an account executive, I should be able to use it too, or really I'm not being honest in that evaluation. So I, I do think that it's critical that people understand Um, The products they sell and can use them themselves and that we don't become so specialized because I think it takes a lot out of people being able to feel confident because they're constantly feeling like they're passed around like, oh, this person does this and this person does that. And it really breaks up that relationship that you have the opportunity to build with somebody to really get even further into discovery, right? Every conversation you have with a future partner is an opportunity to learn more about their business and more about what's driving this evaluation. And if you're just skipping those meetings, because quote unquote, you're not the right person to be speaking to about X, Y, and Z, you're missing uh, many, many opportunities to get it right with the customer.
0: Is an AE at WalkMe, are you a pure hunter or do you also have account management responsibility?
1: I am a new logo AE, and our structure has changed every year for the past four years that I've been doing this, but I am exclusively working with new logos. And then, of course, I'm always there post-sale to still work any sort of um, opportunities for expansion or growth within that account, but primarily I'm focused on working with new companies on helping to solve their problems, and then we have a phenomenal team that helps to bring that story to life with our customers. And so we've got a great team. Uh, you know, once I sell that customer, a walk me license, they're there to make that dream and a reality.
0: Let's go back to some of the AEs that you've worked with and let's move over to Kelly. You say your last name was best.
1: Yeah, I know. Right. That's so great. Yes. Her last name is best Kelly Best. She's my ride or die. She's my work wife. She is um, the person who makes every day enjoyable to go out there into the battlefield and, you know, do what we do.
0: And you said that one of the things that she does well, I, I think, is storytelling. Yes, everyone accepts that storytelling is a good thing, but why it might be a bad thing is all this data that shows that AE shouldn't talk more than about 40 to 50% of any of any conversation. If you're a quote-unquote storyteller, you're at risk of dominating the conversation. When you listen to Kelly's calls or you shadow her on calls, how does she ride that balance between storytelling and dominating the conversation?
1: I think it's a really great question. And it's something that we talk about amongst our team all the time because we have this phenomenal sales tool called Gong, right? Records all of our calls and then does deal analysis. And so we can actually see our talk, listen ratios. And we know that the industry ideal is that you have that 50% cadence. And we've learned that during discovery, during all these other calls in the sales process, it's critical to have that 50% talk, listen ratio. But during a demo, there's never going to be a 50% talk lesson ratio, right? Because you are, you've gathered all the information about that person's business. And now you're saying, this is the, the things about our product that I believe will help to solve your problems. And of course, once you tell that story, you want to pause and you want to get feedback from somebody to like, Hey, have we hit this on the head or are we really far off the mark? You know, like, where are we in, this is an evaluation and today is all about conceptual fit based on what you've seen today, is this the right conceptual fit? And what Kelly does so wonderfully is paint that picture for people to bridge that gap between, okay, this is a demo environment, right? I'm showing you something inside Claw sign, which isn't even a real tool, but she's weaving that back to, here's what you told me during discovery. This is what I know about your business. And so she's saying like, with this, specific thing that I just showed you, you know, how does this tie back to X, Y, Z within your business? And, you know, imagine this and do that. And so it really helps people with understanding that conceptual fit. So I can't speak to the talk time ratio during that demo, but I will say 10 times out of 10, people walk away with a very strong understanding of how WalkMe will either be able to help them or they've realized, Hey, this isn't the right solution for us. And she does A better job than any of us in telling that story and helping people understand how WalkMe fits into that equation within their specific business.
0: There are many types of stories, but I'll put stories into two general categories. And you kind of hinted at one of those. One category is real stories, right? So it's bringing in examples of where WalkMe has helped other specific customers who are hopefully as similar to the prospect in, in every way, shape, and form possible. The other one is hypothetical stories, which is to say, imagine this. Where does Kelly sit in those two types of
1: stories? The imagine part. We are not in the business of trying to say, you know, during the demo, at least, hey, this is how one customer did this, and this is how you can apply it. We're saying, this is what our product does. And because we are, you know, a, a disruptor, right, the idea of digital adoption is very new to the world. We've only been out there for a decade. It is our job to take people from to two, and that's in the book, Um you know, play bigger. It's you're taking them from this problem that they're not exactly sure how to describe or how to solve, and you're taking them to the solution. And so she does a beautiful job of bringing in real life examples of like, for instance, right, if you walk into a Target and somebody grabs your hand and starts walking you around the store, you're going to be weirded out, right? You're going to be like, whoa, what's going on here? But if you're in the middle of something and you can't find where that thing is that you need or like some specific type of laundry detergent, you're really glad when someone comes up to you and says, hey, how can I help you? And so in the context of digital adoption, we have to try to explain to people having a guided tour that just pops up in somebody's face is not the right strategy, right? There's a lot of misinformation out in the marketplace about what it means to create a digital adoption solution and strategy. And so she does a magnificent job of bridging that gap between like, okay, this is what you're seeing in a product. And this is what it would be like in real life if this happened. And why are we telling this different narrative when people engage with digital products? Like we have this like, you know, entire opportunity to make, this a slam dunk for your partners. And we have to talk about like the approaches that are not worthwhile and why they're not worthwhile and why they don't make sense. And so she just does a brilliant job at that.
0: Features are not really a great differentiator because one week you've got a feature and, and, and they don't the next week they got a feature and you don't. So how when you're talking about the competition, you're positioning yourself. What do you focus on?
1: This is such an in-depth question. I'm going to try to do it justice. So I really dislike people who feature dump. I listen to gong calls all day long. I listen to all sorts of demos. And I hate when people say we can do this and we can do this and oh, there's that. Um, There's a prescriptive way to go about it, right? Our product WalkMe is incredibly, what would I say to this word? It has a, a lot of functionality. There's a lot of depth to WalkMe, but you might need just two things that can solve your problem. So why would I talk about all of these other things that are quote features that other products don't have when it doesn't even matter to you? So what we do and what we pride ourselves on is doing really great discovery What's your problem? What is your pain? What are you trying to solve for? And then we have a very prescriptive approach to that when we demo our product. I never demo the same way twice. I know where each of these features are within our demo environment and how to speak to them. But I'm not going to just throw something at you just to say that we have it. You know, like sometimes people come to me and they're like, yeah, but are you guys... SCORM certified. And I'm like, okay, what, what, why are you asking me that question? Does it, does it matter? I mean, we're a digital adoption solution. Please tell me why it matters if we like integrate with your LMS. I'm, I'm a little confused, you know, like, and they don't know. A lot of the times they come to us and they're like, well, I don't know. Your competition said you guys aren't this. And I was like, I mean, we're not, but, but please tell me why it's important. Cause I need to understand from your business perspective, what I've missed, where you know, I I didn't realize this was so important to you as a business. And so I I think that, you know, we should all be doing a better job in the marketplace today of saying, like, we're not just going to say we have this, you have that we do this, you do that. It's how does our product solve your problem? And not how do we have 50 different things that might fit into the equation for you. But you know, that's the difference, I think, between being a top performer and not right feature dumping versus actually understanding why somebody has come to you and being willing to even say midway through the demo if you're not getting the feedback that you would expect to just saying hey i want to pause here i'm not hearing the feedback i normally would i'm not feeling like this is the right solution for you i I certainly don't want to cut this off but if you're not seeing the things that you need to see that are going to solve your problem today like let's call it what it is. And let's save some time. And maybe we'll both get a cup of coffee, you know, like, this is truly an evaluation, you know, this is are we conceptually the right fit, and we hold that information to our chest and don't give that information to prospects. And so once they have it, it's, it's up to them to determine, you know, is this right for you? I, I don't like this idea of, of features and functionality that, you know, oh, we have this coming on the product roadmap. No, this is what we have today that solves your problem.
0: Let's talk about Scotty. So you said one of his things, I guess it's just drive. Yeah. Is that how you would describe it?
1: Absolutely. Like I remember there was a time where I flew out to San Francisco and we have offices, you know, in New York, San Francisco and Raleigh. And I used to work out of our Raleigh office and I flew out to San Francisco um, it was actually to bring my friend's cat westward. <laughs> they were moving to San Francisco to start their tech career and uh, had landed a wonderful job. And, and they needed somebody to fly their cat number two, which his name is number two. We'll get. Uh, we don't have to go down that route. But uh, I flew him out to San Francisco. I worked out of the San Francisco office for a couple of days. It was right before the Fourth of July holiday, and you know anybody knows and in. in you know, the business world right before the fourth of July holiday, nobody's in the office, right? It's like I think it was maybe like the day after the fourth of July, even I I don't know. And I remember Scotty came up to me in the office and he wanted to sit down and talk to me about, you know, like, hey, like I've listened to your calls, you know, I I I really respect you. I'm very curious how you how you ended up in this position. You know, I'm an SDR and I want to become an account executive. And he just had that drive, like he really wanted it. And it was obvious every day that he came to work that he really wanted it. And he was always willing to go that extra mile. And, you know, that's something that's incredibly admirable to me as somebody who always wants to be learning and growing and pushing myself to see that in another individual and to see them coming at me quick, right, to, to catch up and, and hopefully pull ahead. Uh, it was something that was really, really inspiring to see. And I was sad when he left. I said, who's going to, you know, you think about the I don't believe in, in horse racing or, or racing in general, but they always have, I think with the the greyhounds, like there's like a rabbit in the front that they're all chasing. And so I want that, you know, I want somebody who's motivating me that I'm chasing, you know, being as successful, if not more than they are. And we had a really fun, healthy competition, right? When he left, I said to him, uh, something along the lines of, you know, there's no greater account executive out there than you, Scotty, other than me. <laughs>
0: If I were to go to other people, which actually I did to find you and ask them, how is Meg different than other AEs? What does she do? And what is especially, what does she not do that helps her be more effective? What would they say about you?
1: My former manager, Matt, said to me, once you are the most coachful person I've ever met. And I think that maybe one of the things that anybody would say about me is that I'm open to feedback. Of course, we're all a little bit of a diva, right? With feedback, it has to be in the right fashion, in the right manner. But I'm really open to constantly hearing what can I be improving? What can I be changing? What's a better way to do something? And I always want to learn. And I always want to be doing something new and different. And I'm also willing to Uh, not quit on something just because I had a bad experience, which I think a lot of people when they feel uncomfortable or something goes wrong, they go, they kind of chuck the idea and say, not for me. And uh, I'm willing to kind of take swings at things and be bad at it initially and know that if with practice, things become better over time. And I relate this back to my climbing because you can try a climbing move on a boulder. I did this yesterday, in fact. 20 30 40 times and every time you try that move you learn a little bit something different I even record myself sometimes so I can see what's different about my body you know what was different about how close my hips were to the wall was I you know wrapping my thumb on that hold or was I not and it's all about that analysis and being able to understand that you're never going to be perfect but the more you refine that skill the harder you try to understand where are those gaps for you and not shy away from failures or flaws I think that that's going to serve everyone really well. And so I think that that's probably what people would say about me is I'm very receptive and open. I want to learn and I'm very coachable.
0: For you, what was the most jarring piece of professional feedback that you ever received?
1: I got feedback from somebody who I'd been working with who was a male in an evaluation and and he had described me as aggressive. And I went and I took that, you know, feedback to my manager and then to my VP, who is a female, Elisa Rosensahl, she's incredible. Shout out to Elisa. Um, she was like, listen, like, you're gonna sometimes get feed- like, feedback like that as a woman. Like it, you might have the same tone as a man and somebody might take you as aggressive because females in, you know, historically have been seen as more demure, And so, you know, don't stop doing the things you're doing. You are successful and and don't take what that person said to heart, but just recognize that this might be something that comes up in your career. And so we can kind of end it with that as, you know, yes, I'm direct. Do I think I'm aggressive? No, I don't. And, you know, it's good to get all types of feedback to just evaluate and sit with that and think, you know, is there something that I've done that I want to change or do I want to keep doing what I'm doing? And maybe that person was kind of incorrect in their feedback
0: all I could think about was, oh my God, we're recording this on International Women's Day. And that's the cliche feedback, right? That holds women back in the workplace. And I'm so glad that you, you brought that up and distinguished between it
1: I mean, I'm number one for a reason, right? I go for what I want and I'm always going to do the best that I can by the people that I'm consulting for. And I think you always want someone in your corner who's willing to do that. And if it comes off as direct, that's okay. Even if sometimes it comes off as aggressive, that's okay too, because I'm fighting for what I believe in.
0: Well, wow. I have a whole list of questions that we're not going to get to. If people do want to find out more about Walk Me or maybe you're able to provide referrals into the organization, because I presume you're hiring, what's the best way for people to get in touch with you?
1: Reach out to me on LinkedIn. My LinkedIn is Megan Gallagher at WalkMe. So feel free to reach out to me, anybody. Women in particular, early on in your sales career, I'm always happy to coach or provide feedback or advice to other women. I want us all to be up here. I don't want sales to be a male-dominated field any longer. And so uh, specifically females, please reach out to me. Men as well. I'm always happy, like I was with Scotty, to champion and and support anybody, but specifically women. Like I want you all to know this is a profession that is – is designed for us. It may seem otherwise, but uh, there's a lot of success to be had in this field. And I think the fact that women have empathy is is really important in sales and something that I think may have been lacking in, in previous decades. So,
0: Well, thanks so much for sharing your wisdom with us today.
1: Yeah. Thanks for having me, Jeremy. It was an honor and a pleasure.
0: Hey, Salespeople is a production made in partnership with Frequency Media. I'm your host, Jeremy Donovan. This podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever podcasts are found. Thanks for listening to the Hey Salespeople podcast.